Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Dr. Perrin Chief, and um, you've been coming since 1999. And the first time he came was life-changing for me. A lot of you will know that. Um, when he opened up after saying hello from America and we love the Queen and everything else that he said when he came over. Um, he said, kingdom life is power life. Power is influence. Influence comes from credibility. How credible is this church? And it was life-changing for me. It took me about five years to recover from that statement. And I, that's no exaggeration. I went through a five-year transformation to be the church that we are today. And you've come pretty much every year since. So we're thrilled to have you here. The last time you were here was a year ago for our 25th anniversary. A year ago. I mean, it's like, where has the year gone? But I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and give honour where honour is due. As I welcome up Dr. Richard Perrin-Chief. <laughs> Sorry, just gave him an adjustment there. Come on, give Jesus praise today. He's alive, He's mighty, and He's strong. Amen. So good to see you. You may take your seats. It is great to be together. Uh, my wife, Gail, sends her blessing from America, from Florida. Uh, we, we are, I just was told that Florida may hit um, 90 degrees this week, which is in Fahrenheit. I don't know what that would be, 38, maybe 37. Uh, anyway, it's just really hot in Florida, and we just had a freeze last week. So anyway, the world has gone crazy. And so is the weather. Anyway, I'll tell you more about this in a minute, but my, my uh, book is out. I just got a brand new book, and I brought a few copies with me here today. I'll tell you more at the end. It's called Unstuck, Break Free, Rise Up, Launch Out. And my dear friend, Pastor Julian Melfi, did a little writing uh, in the beginning of the book there to talk about it. So you might want to get it just to get what he says anyway. So anyway, today we're talking about shattering your glass ceiling shattering your glass ceiling. How many have ever felt limitation? I know so many times, so, so my city, Ocala, Florida, Ocala is a mid-sized city in America. Uh, the city proper is about 65,000 population. The county we're in is spread up, but it's about 350,000 population. And we're an hour and a half from Orlando, so we're so considered a mid-sized place. And sometimes we just feel very limited in our size city. But I realize that you can live in a city like London and still feel very small or still feel very limited. And our God is a limitless God. And all things are possible to him that believes in that God, our God, in Jesus and his power. So I want to talk about today, let's get in the word, the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of the living God, which we will never leave. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, I'm beginning with from the message, says this. Here's the main text. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you, Paul writes, to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel, listen, comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. Say amen. amen. I want to read a little bit now from 2 Corinthians 3 from the Amplified. It says this, verse 17. Now the Lord 
is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage, true freedom. We know that where the anointing of the Holy Spirit is, yokes of bondage, leashes and harnesses are broken and destroyed and, and, and burdens are lifted because our God does that just with his very presence. Finally, Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The word there is the weos of God. The Greek word means to be like our Father in character and in nature and in conduct. To be holy as he's holy, right? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you, everybody say me. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear or intimidation, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Pastor, Jay, Pastor Julian said it earlier. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Let's pray one more time. Father God, would you open the eyes of our heart. Holy Spirit, we give you this time. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, I lay down my agenda. I lay down my plan. I lay down my notes. I lay it down. And I say, Holy Spirit, would you come into this place and speak through us and to us and let your word come forth into this room and bring a shift to people who have been limited, who have been held back and pushed down and forgotten and neglected and feel alone today. In Jesus' name, amen. The key thought the Lord dropped in my spirit for this year in our church is that it's harvest time for the church. We've got a lot of seed out there. All of us as Christians, we have a lot of seed in the ground. And the Lord spoke to my heart, it's harvest time, and that harvest time will be a time to break through all the artificial limitations. You know, one of the ways that um, TV and movie writers produce comedies is through this concept called fish out of water. It's taking someone from one aspect of life and placing them in a situation where they don't fit, putting them in a place where they're uncomfortable. And that's some of the, you know, some of the big plan, at least back in the day, some of you might know some of the old American reruns. When I was a kid, there was a, a TV show called The Beverly Hillbillies. It was, it was a, a group of people. I see three older people that know that show like I do. Anyway, but, uh, but it was a show about a, a poor, ignorant family from Tennessee that discovered oil on their land, and they became millionaires overnight, and they they put them in Beverly Hills, California. They thought it was the hills of California. And they go there, and, and, and hilarity ensues. You know, they didn't know what a doorbell was. They didn't know, they, they tried to eat dinner on the billiards table, thinking it was some kind of special thing, and they were pushing food around with the cue sticks. It was things like this. It was very funny. And then they came up, the same producers then went and did, they did the opposite. The one they took a rich lawyer, married to a high society woman, but they bought a farm in the country and they moved them out into the country, into all this craziness. It was a show called Green Acres. Almost any Mr. Bean sketch is putting him in an uncomfortable situation, like church. Some of the greatest things, my grandkids, I have five grandkids now, and they all love Mr. Bean. They're all into the man versus bee right now, which is his, Rowan's latest thing. But anyway, the point is that every living thing was designed by the creator God to live or adapt to a certain climate or atmosphere. And you were created to abide in a certain atmosphere as well. 
You were created for a habitation, a habitat. You were created to live and dwell in a certain atmosphere in your life. Certain things. Listen, birds, God created to fly in the air. Lions are created to rule in the jungle. Penguins have to be in the cold. A fish cannot survive very long on land. They must be in the water to thrive. If you go to a zoo, hopefully you see animals in their natural habitat. But humans, human beings, have a natural habitat as well. We were created in the image of God, in his likeness, and we're supposed to live in an environment of spiritual power and the dynamic presence of our God. We're created to live in his presence. That's one of the things I love. Why do I keep coming back? Not just because of my love for Pastor Julian and Pastor Sharon and their wonderful family. But I'm telling you, what I love about this place is you all practice the habitation of God. And, if, and there, this church is never satisfied with just doing the Sunday morning thing. It's not about ritual. It's not about routine. It's not about just going through the motions. It's about engaging hearts and actually cultivating an atmosphere of the presence of God. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Can I tell you, Billy Graham said years ago, uh, Billy Graham said that the average church in America, if the Holy Spirit were to lift his presence on a Sunday morning, that the average church in America would never even recognize he was gone and would continue with their agenda like nothing happened. What an indictment. What a statement. And yet it's true today too, not just in America but around the world, that we would go through our, that we would become so religious and so addicted to form and pomp and circumstance that we forget actually to engage the Spirit of God, to engage the presence of God, to encounter Him, to actually, to actually sense Jesus in such a real and dynamic way, not only in our churches, but in our homes, that we can invite Him in, and His presence can change us and move in us. The Bible says, in Him we live and move and have our being. We're supposed to live in that dynamic presence. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10, the Bible says that, there was, that as they built the temple for God, it says it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place that the cloud, the cloud of God's presence filled the house of the Lord. So the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. They couldn't continue with the rituals. They couldn't continue with just going through the motions. But they, for the glory of the Lord, filled the house of the Lord. One, one place there in the scripture says that the priests couldn't stand, that they, were, that they were knocked to the floor because the presence of God was overwhelming. I want you to know there's an available atmosphere like that even today. There's an available atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is welcomed and Jesus is honored. Right now, around the world, there are stirrings of an authentic revival right now. You know, there, I passed by a sign at, a, at, a, at a, one, of the, one of the, I hate to say it this way, but one of the deadest churches in our city. I passed by the other day and they had a sign out, revival this Thursday. And I thought, well, I hope so. What, what they meant is a guest speaker was coming. They meant, they meant that we're finally going to have a guest speaker. That's not revival. Revival, um, a great historian, Winky Prattney from New Zealand, defined revival as a divine attack on society. That when God begins to confront a society for how far it's gotten away from God, that's Revival. 
Revival is not just going through, it's not having a guest speaker, as much as I hope we have revival here today. It's not about you, us hyping it up and saying, oh, we had a great time and we danced. That's not revival. Revival is about engaging the presence of God. Right now, some of you might be reading about what's happening in America. It started in Kentucky uh, on the uh, Asbury University site where there's been a few outpourings over the last 50 and 100 years. Uh, two, well, a week ago, a week and a half ago Wednesday, February the 8th, I think it was, the students went in, college students went in to a chapel service and the speaker spoke a very simple message. And the presence of God and power of God filled the place. It's been going now day and night for the last 11 days. They've sent students in. Man, I'm, I'm sensing God even as I'm talking about this. They sent students in from about 35 other colleges. And now... Many of those colleges are having the same thing happen. I heard my wife told me yesterday that an, an, uh, another college in Tennessee and another college in Alabama are now in full-blown revival. That, they're, that they can't leave. The presence of God is there. Thousands of people are coming. You can't get in. You have to wait in line. One, one lady that, that was an alumnus of the college said when she showed up, they told her she would have to wait in line at least 12 hours to get into the building because people aren't leaving. And she said, I'm an alumnus. Can I volunteer just to help outside to help assist the leaders? They have worship teams coming in and out. And somebody, before anybody goes on the platform, they have men and women of God laying hands on them, praying for them. And then they're getting in there. And as soon as they begin to play their guitars and begin to worship God, the presence of God comes in again like a mighty wave, like a mighty fire. And when they leave the platform, somebody else prays for them that they know that what they've experienced was not them. It was God. It was not performance. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And so things are happening right now. And I'm telling you, we've been praying in our church for 30, almost 33 years we've been a church. We've been praying and believing for revival. We've been prophesying revival. I'm telling you, we're in the days where there's going to be a tipping point because the world, the world's gone crazy. The world's lost all common sense. I don't care what political thing you are. I, I'm telling you, the world in and of itself has lost its way. There's no direction. There's no true north. The compass isn't working. And everybody's just wandering around doing what they feel like. And, 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 and the leaders are spineless, many of them, to stand up for basic concepts of truth and the word. We're not trying to Christianize a nation by law, but we're trying to have a moral country. We, we, need, we need to understand there is, there is still right and wrong, whatever you believe. It's not just whatever goes. Thank you for that overwhelming response. I'm just telling you. In the atmosphere of God and his presence, it's one of love and yet also conviction. This is what some people don't understand, that in the presence of God, you're going to feel his love. Somebody asked me to describe, what do you feel like um, when the anointing of God starts moving? And I just say, I, I feel like love walked in the room. Because suddenly I feel like all the stuff going on, all the friction, all the things happening with people, and I just, it just kind of fades in my heart. 
Because in the presence of God, hatred can't stand. Fear cannot stand. Perfect love that comes in the room casts out fear. In his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So it's often this dichotomy. It's often this mixture, two things that don't seem to go together, yet united as one, that that true holiness working with loving compassion. The Father's love encourages and chastens at the same time. He convicts us of our sin. That's not condemnation. You know, we live in a world right now where nobody, everybody is easily offended. I I liken preaching the last couple of years since COVID to like walking over a tightrope over a pool of piranhas. Because whatever you say can and will be used against you in some place. I can get up here and just say, I can preach on the smallest, the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept, and somebody in the room will be offended. Are you sure you didn't? I should not say Jesus swept. No, no, no. He is sweeping his church clean, that's for sure. But it's about, it's about what God wants to do. And we are so, we've tried to control God for so long. But he's God. I want to say this to you. The local church is crucial to bringing the atmosphere of God into our lives. This is part of our habitation. This is part, not with religious atmospheres, like I said, but faith-filled relationship with God himself. Being in the right church should break the inner restrictions. The word says it like this. He sets the solitary, the alone, into families, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. If you have ever been offended in church, you're not alone. We've all been offended. I'm, I've been in ministry 35 years. I've had an opportunity to, to be offended at least a thousand times. And I'm the pastor. It takes, when you get past that, when you get through that. So I, like to, I have a real heart for preacher's kids. Because the preacher's kids have seen everything. And they've seen their parents go through the roller coaster of the way people, they're honored in one way and then chastised the next. Some, you know, some of you, well, not in this church, but in other churches around us, they, 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 you know, they, they hear the word and then they go home and have roast pastor for lunch. And it's not delicious. He sets the solitary in the families. And I want to just say this to you, and, and it was well said in the announcements and everything else, but the atmosphere here said today, you belong. You belong here. You belong here. You belong here. We live in the most connected yet disconnected society in the history of the world. You can go right now, and some of you aren't paying attention to what I'm saying because you're looking at your devices, and you're, you're writing somebody else. You're asking Google a question or something like this. And I'm just telling you, you can be alone in the middle of a crowd right now and still feel very isolated and alone and broken. But God has called us to a relationship. Some true believers miss out on real manifestations of God because of lingering issues. What I have seen through what's been in the earth the last few years, even since COVID, is people are often broken by traumatic things, like traumatic rejection and abandonment issues. You know, there, you, can, you can see it. And, and right now, um, we were just asked for help this past week 
Uh, for Valentine's Day every year, my wife organizes a thing she calls Love Week in our church, and she gets everybody in the church to bake cookies or brownies or different fresh-baked things, and she compiles them on these beautiful trays and puts this nice wrapping around them, and we take them to all of the firefighters. We take them to all the police stations. We take them to the nurses. We take them to teachers. This year, I think she said we did 300 different venues, like 300 different places that our people carry things to just last Monday and Tuesday. When they were out with one of the fire chiefs, he pulled our team aside and said to my youth pastor, we need your prayers. We need your help. He said, you may not know this, but he said, we've had three, and this is a mid-sized city now, we've had three firefighters under the age of 30 who've committed suicide in the last 30 days. Last 30 days in our city. And he said, and the, and the fire chief said, I have no explanation except that they made us remove God from everything in our firehouses. And he said, when God is out, we know who's in. And he said, we desperately, we need your prayers. We need you to partner with us. Would you consider coming and meeting with a couple other pastors and meeting with us in the fire department to help in the community? And my wife is like, yes, we were, we'll be there. And they've got an organized thing. Well, I'm in Europe this week. They've got, they're going to meet with them this week. Because, listen, where God is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and liberty. There's, there's blessing and abundance and life forevermore. <clears throat> But where God is pushed out, where God is pushed out, my friends, he will not force his way in. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He only goes where he's invited. And my question for you today is, are you inviting him into your home, into your heart, into your life? I don't know what caused these suicides, but I know this. I know that I see a lot of the next generation coming up and even my own generation that's going through acting like they're depressed, been through trauma, trying to cope with different things going through life. But much of it seems to be centered in, what, in the patterns I've seen lately on rejection and abandonment, that people feel more alone than they have ever felt. People feel disconnected, isolated, and broken. I was just kind of thinking about this. You know, in order to save the life of baby Moses, his parents had to put him in a floating basket and set him in the Nile River. And then he spent years in denial. No, never mind. Okay. Somebody's Now I got hecklers back there. Anyway. But listen, at, even though he's brought up in Pharaoh's home, at 80 years old, we see he had a lifelong problem with his speech, lacked any real confidence in his own ability, his own authority, his own ability as a leader. He was more comfortable with sheep than he was people. And suddenly God shows up in a burning bush and said, I've called you to lead my people out. And Moses says, you got the wrong guy. Please. No, no, no. Let somebody else do it. Do you know that I'm not a good speaker? God said, I know. I know. I'll have some people help you but you're gonna do it. My friends, we get so conditioned. Gideon of old in the book of Judges was so broken that he argued with God about his calling to deliver his people from bondage to the Midianites. He argued with an angel that appeared and he knew he was an angel. 
And the angel said, God is with you, mighty man of valor. And, and Gideon spent the first part of the book of Judges where we see him just going, who, me? 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 No, no. Who are you, who are you talking to? Not me. And he begins to question, well, if God is with us, then why are all these bad things happening? Why, why is all this confusion? Why is all, if God is with us? No, no, no. Listen, that's, that's such a false argument. When I'm, when I'm sharing the Lord with people on airplanes or different people that I'm meeting, the first defensive question people always want to ask is, well, if God is so good, then why are all these bad things happening in the world? Well, because the earth is a fallen world, number one. Number two, the devil is real. And he's powerless, but only against Christ. And God himself will not invade unless we invite him to invade. God will fill any spot, amen. He'll fill any spot we invite him into. David was the eighth son of Jesse. Yet on the day his father learned that Samuel the prophet was coming to the house to anoint a new king, he never even thought to include David, the shepherd boy, the harp player, the creative personality, different than the rest of the sons, probably never played on the family football team. One suggested that he may have been even illegitimate. We don't know. But here, he wasn't even invited to the party. He was so far from his own father's consciousness of leadership, he wasn't even invited. Talk about somebody who could have faced rejection. Yet the Psalms are filled with David working those things out and saying, though my father forsook me, my God, You'll never forsake me. You'll never abandon me. See, there, there is an answer to the aloneness of our world. I want to finish with this. One of the things I sense as, as God talked to me in the beginning of the year about harvest time is I saw this uh, thing in my spirit one morning waking up. You know those first few moments between wake and sleep? You know, sometimes that's the best time for God to talk to you. If you're going to bed thinking about him, it's the best time for God to kind of drop some. And I saw this thing in my heart, a boomerang. And I heard the Lord say that we're coming into a season of sudden and epic reversals. Reversals. And that's, that is a turn. Pastor Jay mentioned earlier, the God of the breakthrough, the God of the turnaround. But this, this, these were, this was a clear thought. Sudden and epic reversals, a boomerang effect. What somebody throws at you, it's going to come back on them. We forgive and release, and God takes care of it. But harvest time is a season of sudden epic reversals. You're never alone. The, one of the biggest Bible boomerangs that kind of came up in, the, in my spirit through this is in the book of Esther. The Bible makes it very clear that a young orphaned Jewish woman not just a young woman, an orphaned Jewish woman. Her parents had both died. We don't know what age she was when they passed away, but she was raised by her, you know, Mordecai, who's listed in the, in the book of Esther. Some believe was her, you know, it, it, it was her uncle or it was her cousin. I, I, it doesn't really matter to me. It was her uncle. It was a, it was a cousin uncle. I don't know what the relationship was. But this, this relative raised her. And she is positioned in the palace, and he happened to work in the palace, just in some medial type of job. But in the book of Esther, this orphan Jewish woman becomes, she wins a national beauty pageant and becomes queen of Persia. Talk about abandonment and rejection issues. Something happens 
when the spirit of adoption comes into a room. I don't know if any of you were adopted. But I know many of you were probably raised without a great relationship with one or both parents. Some without a dad. And that stuff can try to scar you. Can try to get inside of you so it becomes the lens for everything else you're looking at. That you look at everything through that scar, through that, through that pain, through that trauma, through that thing that was, that was trying to push you down, make you feel like you were less than. But Mordecai in this story, he's more than just the one who raised his niece or cousin. He works within the palace, becomes embroiled in a feud with a powerful kingdom advisor named Haman. Enraged with demonic anger, Haman plots to have Mordecai killed for not bowing down, down to him and wants to wipe out all the Jews in the process because of his anger and his rage. We know where that kind of anger comes from, don't we? That's the, that's the devil, that's the enemy. But in an amazing true account, Esther fasts and prays and prepares to expose Haman's plot to the king. She waits on the right timing recognizes, and this is important, that she's come into the kingdom for such a time as this. That she's either going to risk it all or God is going to use her to save her people from annihilation. And the tables are turned in an instant. Right away, it looks like, it, it, in the story, I mean, it's, it's a true story. It's a true account. But it, it, it reads like a, like a modern-day novel. It's, it, 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 I'm sure there have been great movies made of it. just haven't seen any lately on them. But in this story, in the moment where it looks darkest for the people of God, God raises this orphan girl to overcome the abandonment and rejection issues she felt and to rise into the position of prominence. Some, many scholars believe that, that Esther is a type of the body of Christ, the bride of Jesus, preparing for such a time as this, ready to bring salvation, ready to bring uh, 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 that turning point. And suddenly this epic reversal. In fact, the the, the Feast of Purim is a celebration in the Jewish faith even today. It's coming up in March. They still celebrate. The Feast of Purim is literally a feast of, a celebration of reversals is what it celebrates. A celebration of reversals that God can take any moment, no matter how dark, no matter how difficult, no matter how it looks, and he can in an instant turn the whole situation around. This guy Haman, he builds gallows to destroy Haman. And he wants to kill other Jews as well. And the gallows are just outside the palace. When everything is flipped around, Haman and all of his sons are hung on those gallows. And Mordecai is brought into prominence to become a highly positioned leader and take basically prime ministership of Persia. In this whole thing, it's turned around. And you know, the gallows, I always say, no noose is good news. Just seeing if you're awake. Okay. Anyway. That's why I don't wear ties anymore, Pastor Jay.
They come to the king, by the way, Mordecai and Esther come to the king. And because the date on which the Jews were going to be killed is still in operation. The law is still there, even though Haman's been killed. And they come to the king and they said, oh, king, please change the law. He said, I can't change the law. The law is the law. But he takes off his signet ring and he puts it on Mordecai. And he tells Esther and Mordecai, you want to change it? Write new decrees. You write the law. You write the decrees. And you can do whatever you want to do. And they write the new law that on the date the Jews were going to be killed, the Jews can instead rise up and kill anybody that was going to try to kill them. They have the right to do it. But listen to this. The Bible says as the day drew near, many of the Persians became Jews themselves and said, I don't want to kill them. I want to be part of them. I believe this soul winning event you're having in March is a divine timing of God because no longer is evangelism limited to what evangelists and pastors do. It's the body of Christ being united to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. God is moving. He wants to do something great today. Listen, a celebration of reversals. God moving in the spirit of adoption. Why do you think Jesus emphasized, I will never leave you or forsake you? Why? Because we've all been forsaken at times. We've all been betrayed, right? We've all had our feelings hurt by someone we thought was a friend that we could trust and suddenly they turned their back on us and went and wrote nasty things on social media, whatever. We've all been through stuff. Our kids are going through it right now. But our God... I'll be with you. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. My friends, it's harvest time in your life. It's time to shatter the limitations and the glass ceilings of limitation. It's time for you to get past your past, to open up your heart and invite in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption that gives us the reminder and the right to call our God Father, Abba, Daddy. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we close the service? Just for a moment. I don't know where you're at, but I know some of you in this room and some of you watching us online, you've been through something recently. And maybe the enemy has lied to you and told you you don't fit, you don't belong here, you don't. Uh, you, you just never fit in anywhere. You just. Uh, you're, you're just taking up space, and you're not important. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. You know, Jesus called the devil a liar and the father of lies. That means if the enemy's lying to you, you got to believe the opposite, because <laughs> he's only emphasizing that because God is trying to reach out to you and remind you that he loves you with an everlasting love, and he accepts you. You don't have to change your behavior to get saved. You don't have to change your behavior to get loved by God. He can't love you anymore. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the ultimate love is that kind of sacrifice. God's hand is on your life. And he wants to move into your life, into your heart, into your home. But he will never just kick the door down. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens to me, I will come into him and fellowship with him and make my home within him. 
the Holy Spirit is moving in adoption right now. Maybe you're here. You know, one of the ways you know people that have been through rejection and abandonment and still kind of have it as an issue is they tend to have a, a similar pattern with relationships. That they break off relationships because they're so afraid to get hurt, they want to do the hurting first. Maybe you've been through toxic relationships. Maybe you've been through something where you see these patterns in your own life. I just want to take a moment here. I'm going to tell you that God's love and power is moving in this room and he can set you free from whatever tried to grip you in your heart. All the things that try to make you feel like less than, God wants to raise you up with a confidence in your relationship with him. He wants to know you and you to know him. He wants to have that relationship, but you have to invite him in. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I don't think I have really given God my everything. I don't know if I've invited him into every part of my life. I've invited him into my Sunday morning church life. But I don't know that I've invited him into my work life, into my family relationships life. I don't know. Right now, before we leave this room, you can be set free. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. If you're here today, say, Pastor, that's me. You're talking to me today. I've just been so hurt but other people have let me down. Can I pray for you? I'm gonna pray for you right now. If that's you, if you wanna get saved or you're going, maybe maybe you're saved, maybe you really love the Lord, but you know this is an issue. Maybe I've been Christian for a long time, but this is an issue for you. Right where you are, would you just lift your hand up? I wanna pray for you right now. Don't be ashamed of this. Listen, you, the freedom begins when you actually take the courage to do something publicly and make a difference. Just put your hand. I'm not asking you to come up to the front right now. I'm asking you to lift your hand up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those responding today to the sound of your word, to the sound of your voice. I pray, Lord, for you to reveal yourself to them, Jesus. Reveal yourself, Holy Spirit. Fill them up with your presence and your power in the mighty name of Jesus. Fill them up right now. Everybody just pray this out. I just say, Jesus, come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Show me your heart of adoption. That I'm totally part of your family. That I'm legally in and that I belong in your presence. In Jesus' name. If you meant that prayer, God is meeting you right where you are. But I still just want to minister real quickly to those of you dealing with that rejection abandonment. If that's you, be going through this, where you're feeling alone, just stand up right where you are real quick. I'm not going to have you come to the front. I'm going to pray for you right where you stand. By faith, just be honest about it. Someone's failed you. Somebody's betrayed you. Somebody messed you up. Maybe, maybe a spouse just up and left in the middle of the night. Maybe you've been left in a, in a divorce situation or just left alone and abandoned. Maybe, uh, maybe your children have wandered away and they're just not talking to you anymore. Whatever it is, we can all that can scar us, but we can be healed. We can be healed. Everybody stretch your hands to the people that are standing. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release the balm of Gilead, the healing salve of Jesus Christ, the power of your presence and your Holy Spirit in this room. We speak to every area of hurt, every area of betrayal, every area of anger, every area of grief. 
every area where people have been abandoned or, uh, or rejected or alone or betrayed in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, you said in your word that you're the husband to the husbandless. You're the father to the fatherless. You're the king of kings and Lord of lords and you move into every place. Now we just rebuke the scars of darkness and we ask you, Lord, to bring healing and wholeness. Let the oil of the Holy Spirit, the oil of joy, just now come upon the top of their heads and just flow down, down into their mind, into their heart, their physical heart, their spiritual heart, their emotional heart. Lord, reveal Jesus, the healer. Man, this is a holy moment. I just sense God moving in this room. In the name of Jesus, you're no longer rejected. You're no longer abandoned. And you now have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. And he'll never leave you. Never, ever, ever, ever. Never, ever. No matter what you do, while we're faithless, he's still faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together and honor him. You may be seated.